did even back then start to get the reputation of where you went to see weird art. So people would truck out there and I think teenagers were drawn to it because it was the bad neighborhood. Welcome to On the Grid, a podcast dedicated to the Valley of the Sun. This podcast is a place where you can come to meet the creators and newsmakers taking this metropolis to the next level. A place where you can learn about what's really happening in Phoenix. My name's Philip Haldeman, and I'll be your host. Welcome to episode 10 of the podcast. We're going to call this one the Trunk Space episode. If you're a Phoenix artist of pretty much any stripe, you're probably familiar with this gallery slash performance venue slash creative gathering place. Local bands like Andrew Jackson Jihad and Dog Breath have found a safe place there, and touring acts like Matt and Kim have attracted people from across the valley. The trunk space has made its home on Grand Avenue for more than a decade. But as we all know, things do change and venues move. The good thing is, is that trunk space isn't going anywhere. It will stay in downtown Phoenix on the campus of the Grace Lutheran Church, which is located at 1124 North 3rd Street. Look for a grand opening in December. But in the meantime, it's time to take a trip down Trunk Space memory lane. We have co-founder Steph Carico on the show today. So let's take a look back at where the Trunk Space came from and a look forward at where it's going. Steph, thanks for being on the show. Thanks. Cool. So uh, definitely want to talk about the Trunk Space new space, but um, I was just kind of curious. I know you moved to the Valley when you were younger, so I was curious what brought you here and then kind of how you got involved with Trunk Space. Um, I grew up in, uh, near Salt, well, near Park City, Utah. My extended family is all in Salt Lake City. Uh, my parents moved here because my dad was a contractor, mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't snow here. Yeah. So I've, I've lived in the Valley since minus a, a short stint in Tucson. Okay. You said your dad was a contractor. Does that mean construction? Cause yeah. Phoenix is pretty big in construction, obviously. So obviously he came here for... For more work, it sounds like. Yeah, he came here for construction and cool. and to not be putting ladders on ice right. and, and to be able to work year-round. Totally. At what point in your life did the idea of trunk space come to you? Um, the first little glimmer of trunk space um, is, is kind of a funny story. My brother was in a band, and um, he was playing at a, a rec center. Here in Phoenix? Uh, in Scottsdale. Okay. With his band, and they were like a metal band. Mm-hmm. And um, my parents were there, his friends were there, and I thought, gosh, this is really cool. Kids can perform. And um, How old was he at the time? He was in eighth grade. Okay. All right. So he was in middle school, and I, I was older. I was about 17. So that was the first time I can remember thinking, this is cool. I'd love to see, you know, I hope there's other spaces out there like this. Um, kind of forgot about it. Years went by and I was hanging out with friends. I spent a lot of time in Phoenix and I really loved the art community. I really liked what was going on, but it was still a little sparse. Right. I'm curious, like what year was this roughly when you're talking about? Cause we see, you know, we see the downtown art scene change over a number of years. So I'm curious where you were at that point. This was like 1999, 2000, okay. All right. 2001. Okay. And, um, a friend of mine, I was kind of complaining about it. I was like, you know, sure. Phoenix. Nothing to do. Blah, blah, yeah, blah, yeah. Blah. Though there was. There was a sure. lot. Harder to find, though. Yeah, you right? had to really search for it. Right. So it was sort of this this combination. I really love Phoenix, but I really hate Phoenix. And my friend said, you know, stop 
complaining about it and do something. And I, I was like, fine, I'm going to do something about it. And then um, I met Scott Sanders who ran the Paper Heart and he wanted to do more. So uh, me and JRC started booking shows at the Paper Heart and running the coffee bar. And JRC and was your boyfriend at the time? He was my boyfriend at the time. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, we started, we started doing some booking and running coffee out of the Paper Heart. And was that, in essence, the uh, the inception of the Paper Heart, or was it going on before then? It had been going on for about six months okay. beforehand. Okay. So, uh -huh. and we were there for about a year. Okay. Um. So that by the time that started rolling, that was two thousand two. Um. But I'd been looking for a space, kind of trying to figure out like what, how can I be part of this amazing art community right. to make it bigger and better? You know, help it mm -hmm. be part of it. So we did that for a year, and then um, Scott moved to the bigger location he got the liquor license and it was important to me that that what we were doing stay all ages and stay a little more avant-garde um a little bit more vaudevillian for me if i was performing and i wanted my grandmother to come i'd feel weird about that at a bar i would feel much better about it in a space like trunk space where there's no drinking and just a variety of people are, are welcome, not just kids, but a variety of people. Um, so I really wanted to continue with that. And JRC and I talked about it and we thought this is a really good time for us to branch out and do something else. Just grow from from that, which was kind of the plan all along. Right. Um, but it just felt like a really good time to do that. So we... Was there something there that uh, told you that the timing was right? Just because he was moving. Scott was moving to the bigger gotcha. location. So that it just seemed like a really good... Gotcha. So we started kind of looking for spaces and then... The space opened up on Grand Avenue and right next to the Bikini Lounge. Yeah, right next to the Bikini Lounge, which was great because mm -hmm. then we could do the all ages shows, but there was still the option to go for people that were old enough to go have a drink. So they have been, they they were amazing neighbors for twelve years. Um, we couldn't have asked for better. And this neighbors. was in two thousand and four. This was two April of two thousand four was when we actually opened on Grand Avenue. I'm curious where the name come from. Um, so we were talking about what we wanted trunk space what we wanted this space to be. And we talked a lot about vaudeville and the 20s and 30s. And tr the, the name Trunk Space came up and we thought it was neat because it, it was we wanted it to be like an old trunk where you open it up and you don't know right. what you're going to find inside. It also was reminiscent of that vaudeville 20s, 30s. And it was a little tip of the hat to Winnie Ruth Judd, the trunk murderess. Oh, we wanted to get a little uh, little edgy there, huh? Yeah, and then a couple of years later, we realized that uh, Bikini was named after a... Well, Bikini actually predates the Bikini bathing suit, but Trunk is also a type of swimwear. So we, we were the swimwear corner. Gosh, I never even thought about that. In all the years I've been over there, you know, that Trunk, wow. I, I, it was years before I put two and two Okay, years, so, so that was kind of like a happy accident or yeah, something yeah, like we, that. Yeah, like we you didn't were, intend that. But there was something in the ether there that made it happen, it sounds like. That's cool. And so when uh, um, so you get the trunk space open and what sort of, how, what was the booking situation like? I mean, was it difficult at first? I mean, were you able to get enough people in there all week or um, was it just weekends or? In the beginning, it was just Thursday, Friday, Saturdays. Um, I was working a lot at that point. Because you were teaching then. Is that what you were doing? No, okay. I was actually working for Bank of America oh, back okay. then. But uh, yeah, so I had, I was busy early week but then right. late week it wasn't so bad gotcha um and we just there wasn't enough at that point to open sure all the time um and people wouldn't they didn't quite 
know you as much in the beginning? At, at, at what point did people start talking about you? Well, Leslie Barton was booking oh, really? uh, Modified, and ah, okay. she they were just getting way too many bookings. So she just started sending everything she couldn't take our way. So we were like just overwhelmed. And Leslie over... Barton is a local artist, um, and like you said, she was running Modified at the time. Yeah. Wow. So, so you just started getting a bunch of a ton of requests. Wow. And were her. they all music groups or mainly? Okay. And originally, we didn't know that Trunk Space was going to be so music heavy. Um, we thought it would be more performance art, but people needed a space for music. So that's, we still do everything, but it ended up music heavy just because that's where the need was. Mm -hmm. You probably started getting a little more press at some point, I imagine, right? Yeah, we got a, we got a quite a bit of press even in the very beginning. Okay. Um, just because we'd been downtown, we'd... Right. Then downtown was a really small town. It was like the smallest town in the biggest city. Um, so just everybody knew everybody. So it was, we had friends that were New Times writers and stuff. So it was pretty right. easy to yeah. get press back then. It's so interesting to think about that just because, I mean, Grand Avenue has changed so much, obviously. And we'll get into like the move and all that stuff. But like even in 2004, it was still gritty. You know it what I mean? It was gritty. I mean... In 1999, I mean, even going from 99 to 2004 is a big grit jump, I guess. And <laughs> not, you know, it got progressively less gritty or dangerous, so to speak, you know. Did you ever worry about being on located on Grand Avenue in um, terms of safety, you know? When we moved in to the space on Grand Avenue, Perihelion was there, Bikini was there. Um, so our corner felt a little bit separate from that, but... In the beginning, we would get so many phone calls from parents that were like, are you serious? My kid wants to see a show down there. There's no way. And it was tough to get people down. And the hotel across the street, the Oasis, was the sketchiest hotel. It, it was right. just drug deal heaven over there. <laughs> no, short time, all the prostitution, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was. And so in the beginning, it was How definitely. How were you able to get over that hump? Grand did even back then start to get the reputation of where you went to see weird art. And so people would truck out there. And I think teenagers were drawn to it because it was the bad neighborhood. Right. <laughs> so they Well, would... there was a definite demand. I mean, you could, it sounds like just from the, the way you guys kind of opened up, there was a definite demand. People were hungry, right? For this sort of thing. Oh, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. There yeah. was definitely. Um, because what other options were there? Yeah, Phoenix was... Especially for kids, you know? Yeah. yeah Valley Phoenix... Youth Theater, maybe, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, you really had to search out yeah. stuff back then. Yeah. Um, but the rent was cheap. It had to have been just because at the time, I'm sure they were just trying to desperately fill the space. At what point did you start to see Grand Avenue change a little bit? I, the big change happened when that hotel became apartments. That was when things really made a big shift. Huh. Was it pretty overnight then, kind of? Like... Um, well, the the hotel closed. That changed it a little because there just wasn't the, the there was no the activity, yeah, less was, activity. Yeah, yeah, and then but it was still like this big empty area. Right. Yeah, and then it was it began really changing when when the well Grand Avenue started to become gentrified. That was probably the first part, and then you're starting to see. I don't know. I always thought of Grand Avenue as kind of like, oh well. Roosevelt's becoming all gentrified, so we're going to move to Grand Avenue. Did you see it as like this kind of like this negative gentrification, or how did you kind of see the change? Um, I don't, 
I don't think the Grand Avenue gentrification is necessarily negative, but okay. it's definitely different. It's definitely changing. I'm excited to see where Grand is headed. I think it could end up a really interesting destination, but it's not the Grand Avenue we moved to for sure. And the neighbors aren't the neighbors we had. And and the Wild West feel isn't isn't there anymore. It's mm. definitely the edge of a college town. It's the it's becoming the place well, where is, yeah. college kids are going to hang I'm out. surprised in a way I'm surprised that ASU hasn't ended up on Grand. I don't even know. They might own some stuff over there, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm surprised too. I think that that there will continue Eventually. to be a push to yeah. gentrify it and make it a space where students can go and and hang out. Hopefully, and, yeah. yeah. Make it at least, uh, you know, keep it affordable on some level, you know? Yeah, and I don't necessarily see that as bad. It's just, it just didn't feel like home for trunk space anymore. Right. You've, I've heard you talk about that a little bit in, in some articles that I've read. I know you guys have, I know trunk space has always, uh, a number of times has run into financial problems and you do the Kickstarters and all that stuff. How do you deal with some of those, you know, valleys where you needed to pick up some funds, you know? It's all just worked out, um, which is amazing to me. Whenever things got low, either somebody came along and was like, I want to do this big show, and we knew we were going to make enough money to, to pull us out, or we would do some sort of fundraising, or we would just ask somebody, like, hey, we're, we're low. We need to get through. Yeah, we need to whatever. get through. And that can can, you put, can you help us put together a show? And, and the community has really stepped up yeah. and um, been great about helping us when we were in a bind. You know what it is? It's kind of like real life, actually, because, you know, we've all gone through financial troubles, you know, but somehow it's not we've never ended up on the on the sidewalk. I mean, knock on wood. I mean, I haven't, you know, somehow we get through. And I think Phoenix has had a, a special place in its heart for the trunk space, you know? Yeah. And I when we opened, I was like, let's do this for six months and we will be successful. If six months from now we run out of money and that's it. Sweet. We did it. Um, and then six months became a year and then a year became two years. And then all of a sudden a dozen years had gone by and I was like, how did that even happen? Like, how did this even work? And I guess because we always just went into it thinking like, if we make it six months, we did good. It felt just bigger than it should have been. It sounds like you didn't have a whole lot of expectation and sometimes that's good, you know? I mean, you look at that, you know, span of time that you're there on Grand Avenue, like, like what were you remember most about it? I guess the just meeting the most creative people in this country, like constantly, and just the relationships that developed, the friendships I have that developed, and the community, like the, and not just Phoenix, like this national and international creative community that exists and is so overlapped and so intertwined and just opening up to them and and having them make the space what it was because it was kind of a gritty little space that flooded every time it rained and and I mean there was there was it was a great space but it was about everybody that came through the door and everybody who volunteered and and everybody who made it special uh in my opinion Mm. so so the thing that I, I think about most when I think warmly about that is is all the people that um, made it what it is and built their careers, their musical careers, playing to nobody a lot of nights. 
um, you know, AJJ played a lot of their first shows at Trunk Space, and sometimes it was six people, and now they're playing at Marquee Theater, and just kind of how special that is. This is our 10th interview, and and I know a lot of, I'm friends with a lot of the people I've interviewed, and I've been close to the part of the, a lot of the things that they have brought to the Valley and created in the Valley, but I also... I don't know. I feel I feel even a deeper connection to here with with your situation because um, I'm just one of the many 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 people who have been in out in and outside those doors. And um, in a way, I don't know. Everything changes, right? I mean, everything always changes. Like for example, you know, at some point you knew you started to say it earlier that at some point you knew this wasn't home anymore. At some point you knew you were ready to go out to, to maybe move on. And I'm wondering what that point was. We were getting a lot of pressure from the outside. Like there was a neighbor that was calling the cops for people parking the wrong direction on the street or parking in front of his driveway by two inches and, or noise. So the cops were showing up constantly and they were always super cool um, for 12 years. The cops on Grand Avenue have, have been so kind and um, easy to deal with and even kind to people that were belligerent. Um, so they'd show up and be like, hey, can you announce that there's somebody parked the wrong way so we don't have to tow them? Um, but it just was a lot of extra, that was a lot of extra pressure. It was just, and this was notable, obviously, right? Yeah. And it was, and he would email Matt from bikini and CC me. And it was just like, Hey, who would the the guy that was calling the cops all the time. Okay. And then, uh, the space in between us and bikini got rented out by, uh, a record store and they wanted to do DJ stuff and we're. They just seemed frustrated we existed, that we weren't cool enough for their vision is how it felt. And there were just all these things. And it was like, this isn't, this doesn't feel good anymore. And I, one day I just thought to myself, all right, universe, if it is time for us to move on, if it is time for a change, the rent will go up. (laughs) And um, a week later, I got an email from the landlord saying, hey, we're raising your rent. Oh, my gosh. And I was just like, you know what? I, I, I hear you. Loud and clear. Like, it's time. And so, this was late last year, right? This was, early. yeah, it was okay. late last year. So wow. we did some negotiating because we did put in the air conditioning to um, to stay and be able to do the Indy 500, the anniversary show. So we'd be there 12 years. So, um, so we... We ended in April, and we were out of there by the end of May. So, I'm curious, what was the backlash from that, from other people not wanting you to leave? Um, there was definitely some backlash. Um, people, people, I think, thought Trunk Space would always exist as it existed. Some people thought I was giving up. And, I mean, there were definitely people who were like, well, the rent increase isn't that much. Or, you know, and it was like, well, it's not just about that. It's about the way it feels here and you know also because I've done it for 12 years as a labor of love for the most part I was thinking a lot of like how is this sustainable long term how do we keep this going long term and um that's when the nonprofit stuff started coming up too now you weren't a nonprofit before you were no. just well profit or I guess just a business I don't we know we were an LLC LLC um okay. and technically we still are we're a little bit in transition right now but um I work I work during the day. 
Uh, it was something that we just started building a volunteer base over the years and everybody volunteered their time. Um, and minus taking myself to dinner now and again. And yeah, it, for the most part, I didn't, I worked as a volunteer too. Tank of gas on occasion, <laughs> <laughs> taking flyers around. But, um, yeah. but it always felt like something that was really important to Phoenix. But giving up my nights for 12 years is definitely a lot. And in the last few years, we've got a ton of great volunteers, so I wasn't there all the time. But there were nights where I got a phone call and somebody hadn't shown up and I had to drop whatever I was doing and go over there. And that stuff got, it's it's a lot. It's a lot after 12 years. So that's when I was like, all right, I think it's trunk space is important to Phoenix, but how do we do it and make it sustainable because I'm 40 now and I don't want to be spending two to five nights a week at trunk space when I'm 50. You know, it's like sustainability. Yeah. What kind of transition can we make? So that's, that's when the nonprofit stuff came up. So we were kind of thinking about that, but the space, the, the 1506 space on Grand didn't like, I couldn't figure out how the nonprofit was going to work with that space because there's, there were just always some weird issues with it. Like it, it's a quirky space. It floods. The plumbing is weird. It, it's an old space that has... Are there certain requirements that nonprofit status you must have to... In terms of the space that you're talking about? or No, but it takes somebody like really managing that stuff or really ah, I see what like, you're saying. aware of it. Right. And like a homeowner almost. Yeah, as yeah. As opposed to just a renter. Yeah, yeah. So it was... It, it didn't feel like it was going to work just, I guess, in my heart almost as a not, like there was just something that wasn't meshing as far as that. Had you thought too. about going into the nonprofit uh, status at any point earlier throughout Grand Avenue while you were there? Um, we hadn't mainly because we really wanted to control what, what was happening. Okay. Like we wanted to control the vision, Gotcha. but, um, after a while when I was like, all right, how do we keep it going? It's like, well, I don't need that much control of the vision. It can, everybody knows what it is. It can grow how it needs to, even if I was not the focus of it. And or at, NJRC at that point, you had already kind of, the brand, so to speak, was already established. And so, like you said, everybody knows what Trunk Space is. And so it's now it's just going to shift back and forth, maybe. I mean, it could change in the future, maybe. But like, it seems like, yeah, it's just an established um, venue. People know what it is. You can maybe, you know, relinquish a little bit. And yeah. What was it like relinquishing at least that little time that you, because Trunk Space is back, but you had a little bit of time there where you, crickets chirping, like, because you had <laughs> so much time on your hands or what? You know what I mean? Um. Yeah, it was, I'm I'm better when I'm busy. <laughs> no, I get it. I totally um, get it, yeah. Yeah, it was definitely days where it was like, I haven't, I'm still in jammies and it is five in the afternoon because also during that time I had summer vacation from oh, school. Oh, wow. Yeah. So for the first time in as long as I can remember, I had weeks where I, there was nothing I really had to do. You found this new venue? Yes. And it is um, at the Grace Lutheran Church and, and that's basically a third street in Roosevelt, right? Yeah, just north, just north so, of Roosevelt. So how did that relationship come about? 
Um, so uh, during our downtime, during mm-hmm. Trunk Space's downtime, we were doing pop-up shows. Um, yes. Sort of like pop-up restaurants where we would sort of pretend that space was Trunk Space for the night. Um, we did a bunch of them. They were really fun. They were so much more work than just having a venue, which I, I had no idea was going to be the case. Because like a lot of the spaces, we had to bring our own PA and we had to set everything up. And like there's so much back and forth between a space and bands and everything. It was an insane amount of work for, for like a couple hours way. or whatever. Yeah. yeah, in this completely different way that I didn't anticipate. Though a lot of fun. It was really neat to to move around. And we did a show at the Phoenix Center in the basement. Which is right next to the church, right? Which is yeah, right next door to the church. And Robbie Pfeffer, who um does Rubber Brother Records and he's part of Playboy Man Baby. He came by and we were talking about basement shows and how much fun basement shows are. And I said, hey, I think the church across the street has a basement. And he's like, I want to do a show in that basement. You need to hook me up, like figure out who you need to talk to. Hook me up with the the church. So uh, a friend of mine's on the council because Phoenix is still a little little town. (laughs) I contacted him and I said, hey, does the church have a basement? Can we do a show there? Can we pop up there? And he said, I bet you can. Let me get you in touch with the pastor. And... We met up with the pastor, and she's like, "You want to, you want to use a basement? Nobody, nobody wants to use a basement. Like, what? She was. It was real funny. It was like, yeah, I guess you can use a basement. So she shows us a basement, and then they were also kind of in a transition where they wanted to open for First Fridays, and they said, "Hey, could you book stuff for First Fridays for us? Yeah." And she's like, "You can put out a donation thing, and you know, split that up between you and the bands or whatever. We won't take any cut. We just really want to be." outreach we want to outreach on first mm-hmm. fridays so that sounds great it's right there too yeah yeah and then we were walking around the property and she was just showing us the sanctuary all the different spaces and then she there's this wing and it was empty and she goes if you guys want to use this till we find a renter you're welcome to robbie was with me at the time because he wanted to see the basement and we were like well who are you going to rent it to and they said well we just haven't figured that out yet it's been a health center and a montessori school we hmm. Yeah, we we don't know. We don't know what we want to do with it. And then Robbie and I kind of went off on our own and talked. And he's like, I wonder if they'd rent it to us. I wonder what the rent is. What Maybe Trunk Space could rent this wing of the church. And it just seemed so nuts. And then I contacted them and they ran it by the council. And the council unanimously voted to rent the space to us. How many square feet is it? It's 1,600 square feet. How big is Trunk Space? 1,100 square feet. Okay. Um, the really cool thing about this space, the performance part is going to be slightly smaller than old trunk space, but it'll have a green room, which cool. we never had. And then it Fancy. Has two bathrooms. Fancy. Yeah, we only had <laughs> one before. And then there's three extra rooms that we're probably going to use for like artist studios or if a nonprofit needs Good for an office, writing. like something like that, where arts organizations or other artists can... Um, can join us at trunk space so i'm hoping we can help artists in this other way and then we're gonna have one room we're probably gonna keep the green room and then the main room so we can do workshops um torch theater you know there could be more than one stuff like that yeah and there could be more than one group rehearsing or practicing at one time all um, these floating troops and stuff out there what could come and have a t- at least a temporary home to perform yeah. and or rehearse. Yeah. So yeah. so there can be more than one girls rock. Um, okay, yeah. 
there could be more than one thing happening in trunk space or people can go off and come back like whatever that looks like um which i'm really excited about there's a beautiful courtyard in front of the space um so far for the shows kids are sitting in the grass instead of in the asphalt parking <laughs> lot um and then the other uh, the other uh thing the church offered up to us is hope hall a couple times a month and hope hall kind of looks like a school multi-purpose room it's this big okay. hall and it, the occupancy is 375 people so if yes, say bigger kimmy dawson comes to town or something some show that's way too big for our little trunk space space we have access to this bigger room which i'm really excited cool. about so we don't have to turn down those bigger shows how many people can you fit in the main space there the new space probably about we we think just a hair over a hundred okay so wow so you've got a, a lot of different options with this space it sounds like and it's going to be nonprofit. which how will the nonprofit status help um so with the nonprofit, we can do some grant writing um which I would love to, we have access to the sanctuary on First Fridays. The church has asked that we book uh, ambient noise in the sanctuary, which I think is amazing um, that a church would be like, hey, can you do ambient noise in the sanctuary? And I would love to get to a point where we can grant right and have enough funds to say bring out bigger acts, bigger ambient noise musicians and have them on First Friday in the sanctuary and just have a donation and not have to worry about making enough money to pay them and pay for the space. And um, so grant writing and fundraising are the, the two big things. Because cool. um, yeah. then people can donate money that's tax deductible. Does this mean that, I, did you guys have a board before? No. Does this mean that you're going to have like a proper, like the whole bylaws and all that stuff? Yeah, we've worked out all our bylaws. Um, we've already got everybody who's going to be on the board has agreed to be on the board. We've got that all planned out. So yeah. A lot of those decisions, um, which was sort of the scary part about the nonprofit before, but now I feel like is it a really good thing. Somewhat intimidating before. Now the uh, the mystery has kind of been elevated off, and it's just you can look at it for what it is. Yeah. So so, so now, and and the thing is, there's other people that have really great ideas, and I feel like our board is really solid and. Uh, we can share the the work. It's we can all. You don't have to have it all on your back, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I've gone from co-owner to co-founder. Okay, is how I look at it. Yeah. So you're doing shows here and there, but you have an official opening coming up. Where we we haven't figured it out for sure, but okay. uh, it's looking like the beginning is December. We're gonna put together something cool. um, fun and big and filled with surprises <laughs> well then i won't ask you any more questions about that um what's your what are your hopes i kind of always ask this question about where do you see phoenix 10 years 20 miles from here that question goes to as well but also where do you see the trunk space five ten years from now right now i am trying to make the trunk space like the best i can make it with the 12 years of experience i have so I, it's in my mind kind of a mini legitimate venue like it's little but it'll have a good sound system um Jalapaz who runs audio confusion recording he came in and told me how to add some stuff to make it sound really good and just have it be a space that feels good to be air in. conditioned and yeah air conditioned and just feels 
magic in that way that old trunk space did, but even more like fine tuned mm. to where if you're a performer, you can come in and be like, man, trunk space sounds good, you know? Um, so my hope is that I can, I can take my knowledge, create this space that people can love and, and do all the things they did in, in old trunk space, but, but really be proud of it. And um, my hope is that 10 years from now, I can book a show now and again, and it still be there. And I can go see weird acts or reconnect with old friends. Um, so I hope it's still there in 10 years. And, uh, and, and how is that when you look at it on the greater scope in the downtown area or Phoenix? Um, so being in the church, church was built in 1928. It's Gothic architecture. I think it might be the only Gothic architecture in Phoenix. It's on the historic registry. Um, even though there's a bunch of gentrification happening all around it, it is not in danger of being demolished. It will be there, which creates this sense of security that I don't think we could have anywhere else in, in that area. Um, Very few options, yeah. Yeah. Also, they're they're doing a lot to the parks there, so I know there's a lot of performance stuff planned so to be part of that will be really cool also to have the phoenix center as a neighbor i see the phoenix center just getting it's such a great place already but it's a good partnership yeah and and as phoenix as a whole like that growing into something that's that's an actual i guess more respected as a phoenix art center which i think it's it's taken a while for it to get there. It's it's really starting to, but people just, I don't know, they just never treated it with the respect it deserves. And um, my hope is that building next to the other part of the theater, the other theater will open up as part of the Phoenix Center too, so there can be more performance stuff going on there. And yeah, my hope is that some of the gentrification slows down. My hope is that people kind of turn away from the big and start focusing more on small business and um, kind of nurturing that more. We seem to ebb and flow with that a little bit. True. I think that we really, really need that for Phoenix to be a city that people want to be in and True live character, in. character, yeah. Yeah, so I hope that um, we don't demolish everything that we have, uh, even though we've We've gotten better at it, though. Yeah, we've definitely, yeah. Um, the Winnie Ruth Judd house has been saved, uh, which there's development all around it, but the murder house is still there, <laughs> which I, I'm like, thank you, Phoenix. Thank you for that. Um, so, so yeah, I, my hope is that, that we continue to be a city that nurtures small business and nurtures performance and has... I don't know, respect for that, I guess. Right. True respect. Cool. Thank you for being on the show, Trunk Space. We'll, uh, we'll see Trunk Space 10 years from now. I hope so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Steph. Thanks. trunk space once sat near the corner of Grand and 15th Avenues. A hovel for musicians, performers, and artists. Threadbare and simple, cool air conditioning, sometimes. But maybe more importantly, 
It was a hostel for those in need of artistic sustenance, substance, and self-expression. Some parents of the venue's patrons may have feared its proximity to a once-city hotel and dive bar bikini lounge, but they were soon won over by the artistic security the venue provided. I discovered the trunk space in the mid-aughts of the 2000s. I was going through an artist refugee phase of sorts, hung up and burnt out over four years of living in Hollywood in desperate need of something real, anything real. So it was apropos that I found the trunk space when I did, because the venue on Grand Avenue was home to similar souls. Many didn't have anywhere else to go, but they needed to bust out. They were in desperate need of finding themselves, or if nothing else, maybe more importantly, figuring themselves out. So when I found out the trunk space was vacating Grand Avenue, I worried I'd never be able to experience it again. But it's nice to know that it's not going anywhere. And in fact, it actually hasn't really gone anywhere since it's departed Grand Avenue. And after talking to Steph, I'm pretty sure it's not going anywhere for a long time. It will be here for the next generation of refugee artists to figure themselves and everything else out. So thank you, Steph. If you'd like to reach us, we can be found at onthegridphx.com or email us at onthegridphx at gmail.com. On the Grid is produced by Chris Ayers. Intro music was performed by local band Factories. They can be reached at factoriesmusic.com. And by the way, sticking with our theme of local, we feature local bands on each episode of our podcast. Closing out this episode is the band Roar, with a track off their newest album, Impossible Animals. They will be performing at the new trunk space, 7.30 p.m., Wednesday, November 30th, Diners will also be performing that night. And keep an eye out for the grand opening of the new truck space. We don't have a confirmation date uh, yet, but it's set to happen sometime, and folks, that would be December 2016. Once again, thank you so very much for joining us on our 10th episode of On the Grid. You're an
Good summer.